at the time I thought I had failed becoming an actor mm -hmm. by giving up 10 years of my life to the Marine Corps. And what I realized was, is that I was not mature enough to be a good actor. And if I would have tried, if I would have gone to Second City right out of high school, the person that I know I was would have never made it. He would have failed miserably. And welcome back to Flirting with Failure. My name is Addison Brown, and I believe that everyone has a story of sensation, but the best stories don't exist without complete and utter screw-ups. Today, I am talking with Jonah Saison. Jonah, how are you? I'm doing great. As great as can be. Uh, how are you doing? I am, you know, the same. I am the same <laughs> as I've been for a year and I am, I am fine. I am good. Um, so yeah. So the last time I saw you, we were filming a TikTok and you have done very well on TikTok since quarantine started. Has that been fun or stressful? It's been or? a blast. Uh, it's been a blast. Yes. And stressful. Sure. Because there's a pressure now, but I don't know how I've been doing well. First off, I'm going to say that I don't get it. <laughs> I don't understand how I, how people choose to follow me. Um, or which videos they choose to like, because there's ones that I think are going to be great that don't. If you're on TikTok, I think you relate to this. You you think of these great ideas and then you'll get like 20 views. Mm -hmm. um, and then you'll have a stupid idea that you'll just post because you're like, screw it, I want to post this. And it will have like 50,000 views when you wake up. And you're like, why? Why did they put out that terrible idea? Um, <laughs> so I don't get I don't get the platform, but I do know I've had some successful ones. And and only one of like all of those ever have I been like, oh, this is going to blow up. Other than that, I just feel like I've gotten lucky. The animation ones you do are so cool. And I love that. Like, that's not your your average like comedy TikTok. Like you bring another element to it, which is like, obviously those have blown up. And like, I think those are your most popular ones, which is yeah. awesome. Yeah, it's been those. Those have been really cool. And like, I, I love drawing and it was a fun thing to pull into TikTok because if if you don't know what TikTok is, when you get on there, you realize there's so many corners of TikTok that can be anything. It can be any weird, crazy niche that you're into. And right away, it realized I like art. So it started showing me tons of art stuff. And as soon as I realized like, oh, TikTok's not just dances and uh, uh, silly comedy videos, it's also all these other things. And so it started showing me such good art that I was like, how can I incorporate that into my comedy? And, and that was a fun niche to find. That's amazing. I, okay. I'm going to say one more thing about TikTok and then we can, I swear we can <laughs> do it, but I think it's so funny. So the TikTok that we made that Jonah and I made, it was yeah. about the joke. The joke was that we were cousins and he wanted to kiss me and we were, <laughs> we were like Mormon cousins in Utah. And that was on your, you posted that one on your page, but I'm yeah. tagged in it. Uh -huh. So I have been getting comments on my own <laughs> TikTok videos without the context of the first video that are like, are you still dating your cousin? Oh <laughs> like, yes. Some people are just like flocking to my page and making me look like I date my cousin. <laughs> oh like, my gosh. It's people don't let things down. They don't like if, if they, if that's how they found you, then that's all they want to comment about. They want to be in on the joke. And so mm -hmm. they just like, let it live forever. Yes. Also, you've been compared to some very famous actresses, that lady from the Mandalorian. I can't think of her name right now. Dude, the Battlestar Galactica yeah. chick. I've got her. multiple times now since that video. Yeah. She's also in Mandalorian now, but oh, yeah, okay. she, she's the same actress. I can't think of her name. I feel bad, I but, know. uh, 
you, you do look like her, but as soon as they said it, I was like, Oh my gosh, yeah, she does. Um, but, uh, if people don't know, there was like a trend on TikTok of like, uh, two best friends sitting in a car or, you know, at a picnic, Mm -hmm. they might kiss. And that was the setup we used. And we just changed it to two cousins at a family reunion in Utah, which was a great hit. It was, it it did really well. Yeah. Jonah hit me up out of the blue and was like, Hey, you want to make a TikTok about two cousins kissing? And I was like, hell yeah, let's do it. (laughs) Fun fact. Fun fact. I asked my wife first. Uh, she said, uh, I'm not going to pretend to be your cousin on a TikTok." (laughs) Um, joking about kissing. And I was like, all right, I'll find an improviser that is going to be game. Uh, and I knew you would be perfect for it. it was, and you were, you were so great for the little like mini argument that we have afterwards. Oh my God. So funny. Wow. And we got to do some improv. This podcast is sponsored in part by Word Brothel. Absorb the harsh realities of this evil world cushioned by the comfort of comedy. Follow them on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. Subscribe to Word Brothel on Patreon to get awesome stuff delivered to your door wordbrothel.com real fake news okay i'll bring this up now so you know oh i think you know this but you were my first improv coach ever i didn't know i was your first but Mm -hmm. i knew that i did coach you in that you know coach ensembles yeah yeah you because i had had like teachers but i had never like that was my first like improv team i had ever been on and you were my very first coach which i was I mean, that I had just moved to Chicago. I was like jazzed as all heck to be there. Like stars in my eyes. Like I'm going to be famous. Like just doing as much improv as I could still. And uh, yeah, and I, I'm, so, I'm so glad that um, I've been able to like maintain a relationship with you and, and, and keep in touch and stuff. Um, uh, you were great. Uh, You're amazing. Uh, that was a really fun one to cast. And I think everyone in your group was, had that same kind of energy had that same kind of like i am all about this right now at this point in my life and and that really showed in your crew yes young young little baby improvisers um and so you were so that was what a couple years ago you were coach so how long have you been doing improv oh wow so i guess um that would come down to when i got out of the marine corps so i got out of the marines in 2013 and started taking classes uh right away at second city so whatever that is, is that now, oh my God, that's eight years. Eight years, sure-ish. yeah. But I, I did improv earlier than that. I just don't like to call it improv because mm-hmm. I it was really whose line is it anyway playtime with my friends. Um, <laughs> because like I went to a small Christian high school that my parents Ooh. made me go to. Hey-o, party because my, my, my older brothers all went to public school and they said I wasn't allowed to turn out like them. And they sent <laughs> me to a small private Christian high school to try to fix me didn't work and uh (laughs) but I went there and uh yeah they didn't have like a great theater program uh but they did let me start like a improv club at lunchtime so like at lunch I ran an improv club that uh, the handbook was just whose line is in anyways games and so we would just play those in the chapel (laughs) on the stage so like yeah so that was my like first improving was doing that with just friends from my small Christian high school that's so funny because your parents tried to like keep you tamed and <laughs> you did the one thing that that's like the worst thing you can do is like, I'm going to be an improviser. <laughs> like, yeah. Get me out of here. Uh, they failed in every regard. <laughs> so funny. So, okay. So, yeah. So something I find really like unique and, and interesting, and I don't know this much about like this part of your life, but you were in the Marine Corps for how many years? 10 years, technically. 10 so years. I, 
it, it was a lot of, so I joined as a reservist in 2003, right out of high school on okay. a dare. That's a whole story, but I joined the Marine Corps on a dare and I ended up staying in for 10 years. Yeah. Oh my God. Okay. Wait, I need like a tiny bit of expansion on that. Like I have to ask, I have to know a little sure, bit. Sure. Sure. So if, yeah, you're probably getting a little taste of like, why does this theater kind of improv nerd have a Marine Corps background? And yeah. that's kind of it is that when I was getting out of high school, I had three uh, best friends and the four of us together called ourselves jerk because we were Jonah, Eric, Ricky, and Kenyon. Cute. Stupid. <laughs> but uh, we, one of us was always planning, Ricky, he was always planning to join the Marine Corps out of high school. And one time, I think we had just graduated and maybe we were like at some, like doing a sleepover and um, we're just hanging out, chatting about the idea of, wouldn't it be funny if we all joined the Marines together instead of just Ricky going off on his own. And one by one, Eric Kenyon, they're all like, yeah, that'd be so funny if we did it. And then I jumped in. I was like, yeah, that would be so cool. We'd be badass. And they all looked at me like in unison and were like, Jonah, you could never make it as a Marine. You are a theater. Like, like, and you got a picture. I mean, you know what I look like, but I was like a little, like 140 pound, six foot guy, like just scrawny as could be. Um, and I'd done nothing but like theater my whole life and never sports or anything like that. So they're just like, you wouldn't make it. You wouldn't survive. Yeah. And I took it so badly that I was like, oh, I, I could do it. And I took it as like a personal challenge that, so Ricky went to the Marines and I went to his recruiter the next day, the day after he left. And I said, I wanna be at boot camp tomorrow. He said, I can't do that. He was very excited because he didn't have to try to talk me into joining. He was like, I can get you there in one week though. And I was at boot camp one week after Ricky. So I, with a very little thought process, I got to boot camp. And the only time you can see each other, actually, funny enough, is chapel. <laughs> so because you can't see other people from other platoons, except for on Sundays during church, that's the only time you get like an hour to yourself. Um, and so some people you just use chapel to nap. Uh, but so I go to chapel just to see him. And we're both there with our shaved heads. And he looks over at me and he's just like in shock that he's seeing like a bald version of me. And I realize in that moment, like I'm smiling ear to ear. He's laughing. And we're like standing like. I don't know, 20 yards away from each other. And I realized, oh my God, I joined the Marine Corps for this moment. And, and now I have to stay in the Marines because I signed a contract. <laughs> and so like, <laughs> now I have to do this. I really got to do this. Um, yeah, so that's how I ended up joining the Marines in the first place. That is the most improv way to join the Marines. <laughs> that is <laughs> kind of true. Yeah, like just like, just yes, and I could do that. Yeah. <laughs> Wow. I did not know you joined on a dare. That's hilarious. And then you were in it for 10 years. So, so why did you, so why did you end up staying for, do you have, did you have to stay for 10 years? No, I, I did a, well, in, when you join the reserves, you have these weird contracts called by four by fours or six by twos. That just means like four years are active, four years are inactive or six years are active and then two are inactive. And that's what I originally joined as where I would have six uh, active reserve years. And then I'd have two where I was just inactive. Those are usually just uh, you're just kind of held in reserve in case there was like a draft scenario. They'd grab you before they draft people. It's a weird thing. But um, I got deployed really close to the end of that six years. So I got a combat deployment that uh, to a country that is no longer a combat deployment. But at the time it was, I got sent to Djibouti. Um, really? And so that was pretty, yeah, yeah. I got deployed to Djibouti. Did you not know this? You got deployed to Djibouti. I cannot believe you joined the Marines as a joke and you got deployed to Djibouti. Yeah, yeah, it's all... <laughs> 
<laughs> it's great, right? It's like, like, and I joined, so think about it. I joined in 2003, which is insane that I didn't end up in Iraq or Afghanistan like yeah. immediately because my buddy Ricky, uh, not to bring down this podcast, mm-hmm. but he, he was in, um, he had gotten deployed to Iraq twice before I ever made it to Djibouti and he died on his second deployment to Iraq. Uh, and which made me feel insanely terrible that like, here he is going on his second deployment and I still haven't even gone anywhere yet. Um, oh and then God. he died on that deployment and then I get deployed to Djibouti, which was just, it was, uh, it's crazy. I feel, um, fortunate for the, like the experience I had with the Marine Corps, the time that I was in, um, I was very, very lucky, uh, that I got to do the things that I got to do, not to like, even make it sound even more crazy, but after that deployment in Djibouti, I came back and I was talking to you about that inactive time mm-hmm. during that time, a gunnery sergeant calls me and says, Hey, instead of staying inactive, why don't you come on active duty in Hawaii? And I said, eat a dick, get out of here. You're not telling the <laughs> truth. Um, I didn't even think it was a real gunnery sergeant. I thought he was lying mm-hmm. to me. Um, and then he emails me from his at USMC email address. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, crap. Uh, so I call him right back. I'm like, hey, sorry. Sorry about that, Gunny. Uh, you're, so you're serious? And he's like, yeah, you can actually come be stationed in Hawaii because of uh, one of my job qualifications. So I actually took that offer and we moved to Hawaii. So I had really lucky, a really lucky time in the Marine Corps is all I'm kind of trying to say. It was like very fortunate all the way through. It was a whirlwind. <laughs> that, wow. So oh my god okay so what does this is gonna sound silly what does the marine corps really like what do they do like what What is the whole Uh, yeah great so traditionally we were uh yeah so the marine corps is older than america itself we were created in 1775 uh you know america 1776 so what's up with that we were created to fight uh on ships and to be basically riflemen on ships. So we have a very strong connection to the Navy. And so we were the best riflemen and we could shoot people from very far away from ship to other ships. And so that's our original connection. And now uh, just throughout history and kind of how we've evolved is the Marine Corps main um, usefulness or the the place they fit in in the military is that they're the first one in and they're usually the first one out. Um, so it is really weird when the Marine Corps still stationed places after the initial invasion or anything like that, because the Marines real goal is to kick ass and do a lot of, do a lot of the frontline actions. And so they get in and they get the job done. And then usually the other branches of service are supposed to push in behind us and clean it up. Um, and so it's really aggressive force. Uh, we we only get like one third of the Navy's budget, um, so yeah, we're still, we're still technically department of the Navy is the way that it's mm-hmm. set up. Uh, yeah. So that's kind of a, a brief history. Okay. No, thank you. Cause I was, we were talking and I was like, I actually don't know if I know what the Marine Corps does. And I wanted to be sure that I did. Sure. I mean, um, still that's like super overarching because there's yeah. now there's like so many jobs in the Marine Corps that never existed originally. So now you can be like a, you can be a lot of things in the Marine Corps, but we still have a lot of traditional connections to the Navy. For example, you can't be a medic in the Navy in the Marine Corps because we use the Navy's medics. So we have a lot of jobs, but we still uh, Navy medics get assigned to Marine units because we just use their medics instead. And so stuff okay. like that. Okay. Okay. That makes sense. So yeah, I mean, I, yeah. And I feel like as, you know, as technology advances and like society progresses, I, I'm sure the jobs are different than what they were in. Right. 
yeah, 75. So <laughs> my, my job in the Marine Corps was a military police officer. So I was a cop for the military. That was Whoa. my first job. Yeah. Um, right. What? <laughs> um, that was my original MOS is what it's called. But then when I went to boot camp, I was a really good marksman. And so I became a marksmanship instructor, mm -hmm. uh, not by choice. They like, I graduated boot camp as the top shot out of 750 recruits. And I had never shot a gun before boot camp. So that was just like, like this crazy, like, oh, I guess I'm very good at shooting. And I had no idea. I, to this day, don't own a gun. But um, they were like, let's send you to Quantico. You're going to be the marksmanship instructor uh, for our unit. And so that became my secondary MOS. And that job is the reason I was able to get that, uh, get stationed in Hawaii. So they needed okay. a marksmanship instructor for the school in Hawaii. And so that's when I went to, I actually started creating more marksmanship instructors uh, in Hawaii. Wow. So you showed up and you were just like, okay, I'm the best at this now. And then <laughs> yeah, for a minute. So yeah. Cool. I got to be I mean, really great at it. Yeah. Good for you. And it landed you in Hawaii, which I mean, yeah, even though you're there for a job, it's, I'm sure it was part of that was super nice to be there as well. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yes, it's the Marine Corps and the days are long and miserable, but I mean, the second you're off work on Friday, you were on vacation. It's the difference between the weekend yeah. and being on a vacation. That's what it feels like. So it's like, oh. as soon as you leave the office on Friday, you're like, wow, I'm on vacation right now. I can imagine. Wow. Okay. That is so, that is so cool. Okay. So you were in the Marine Corps until 2013 and then you left and you immediately started doing it. Like you immersed yourself in improv in Chicago. Yeah. Yeah. So when I was in the Marines, I was still doing college at the same time. So I got an art degree while I was in the Marines. And so uh, I started doing improv at Second City and uh, did like the A through E program. Very like if you don't know the programs, that's like your most entry level mm -hmm. thing that you can do. And I did that year long program, then did the got into the conservatory, made it through the conservatory program. And then I started doing the writing program, a little bit of overlap at the end. And so I completed writing program in conservatory. Mm -hmm. uh, Second City didn't hire me out of any of those programs. A lot of my classmates got hired, but not me. Mm -hmm. And so I was like a little sad that I wasn't getting what I wanted, but I did have an agent now and I started acting in smaller commercials and things like that. Uh, did a few viral things for the onion, which was super fun. Um, but second city finally took notice of me when I created, uh, with a few fellow veterans, uh, stars and gripes, which was comedy around, uh, our time in service. So all of us were veterans and that are now comedians or stand up uh, or improvisers and from all branches of service. And we created sketch shows about that military experience. And that was just a really cool crossover of my yeah. two worlds. And Second City took notice of that. And I think out of that group that did that show, I was the one with the most Second City experience. So they kind of came to me and said, we'd love to create some sort of program at Second City that does this, that does something for veterans. And so we started with free workshops and then we developed that into a full-on program that now goes in Chicago and LA more often in LA because there's more military bases out there mm -hmm. but we have an improv for veterans program uh at Second City which is super fun and that's how I started teaching there that is so cool I love I mean the thing I love about comedy is like how everyone can bring their own unique worldview into it and that's like such a prime example especially because you were offering classes too and like offering a space for other people, you know, in the same situation as you who wanted to do improv, but we're also veterans and like, you yeah. get to talk about, you know, because like, obviously no one else you're writing with that wasn't a veteran is going to be able to, you know, bounce ideas off you that well, because they don't know the experience. And I think that is, 
chef's kiss that is so so great yeah it's I was just talking with someone about this, how like in conservatory, there were times when people would come with their own worldviews and the pro- some of the problem with Second City's conservatory program was that sometimes it's just not diverse enough for anyone else to even understand that person's point of worldview mm-hmm. or their point of view that like when they pitch an idea, you really need everyone to be collectively in and sold on that idea. And sometimes they would just be hit with like, I have no idea what, like everyone else in the room would be like, I don't get that. That's not my frame of reference for life. Yeah, And so then that idea would never get off the ground when it was a great idea. It was their point of view uh, and it needed to be spoken, but because they didn't get that support from their classmates, that thing never makes it to the stage versus when you have groups like a veterans show or a veterans, anything, everyone's coming with that same worldview. So everyone's going to buy in quicker. Um, same thing comes, uh, goes for any sort of minority shows that they sometimes do that mm-hmm. helps create um, a much better, uh, collective voice and at least more su- better support for each other. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's yeah, it's so great. And I just, there's so many like different types of people that come together through improv and I've, I'm so glad I got like two and a half years in before COVID hit and like things have shut down. But it, this is again, just such a great example of the way that this is like, it's life-changing for a lot of people. It's a way it's, it's the most, it's the most accepting community I've ever been a part of. And the fact yeah, that there are so many like sure. sub communities within it, I think like makes it even more just like welcoming for just anyone who wants to jump into it. Um, okay. So you went on this whole journey of joining the Marine Corps. You were in there for 10 years. You got out, you are a professional actor. Now you are mm, TikTok famous, perhaps getting there <laughs> doing well. Yeah. Well, you know what? No, it's not. Follow him on TikTok. Um, <laughs> and I'm curious, um, just along the way, um, about a time where you messed up or failed. And if you would like to tell me about that. <laughs> Man, so many things. Is that I feel like that's got to be the response you get the most, right? Is that just people just feel like, where do I start with my failures? Yes, everyone says something along the lines of, how much time do you have? Or the list is so long and stuff like that. So, yes. It's hard to say. Um, I, um, uh, yeah, let's start with simple things. So like, uh, I, I failed at like even knowing what I wanted to do with my life Mm -hmm. and per very obvious from, you can tell the fact that I would, I would sign an eight year contract (laughs) on the dare. I had no idea what I was doing. I needed to get out of my household. I needed to get out of that situation. And I just made a lot of like weird turns trying to get to where I was going. I originally failed at my original major. I was going to major in mathematics because I was going to get like a, a high school math teaching degree. Mm-hmm. Failed out of my upper level math classes in college. I was like, oh. I can't do this. Um, and I was in the Marines at the same time. So there was like all these complications where I was like kind of trying to blame it on the Marines that I was failing these classes, but really I shouldn't be a math teacher. <laughs> and so, um, yeah, so I definitely, like, I failed, like, there was no way I was going to make it through that major. Yeah. Um, and I'm glad I didn't. And, uh, yeah, there's, um, I don't know if this is a failure as much as it is, like, I know I would have failed if I wouldn't have joined the Marines. Is mm-hmm. that a weird, let's, let's talk about it. Because yeah. I think uh, something that is, I've always wanted to be an actor since, like, fifth grade musical. I did a musical in fifth grade and I always wanted to be an actor, right? So the Marine Corps is kind of like my sidestep, like, whoa, where did that come from? Whatever. And it, it, it derailed me. And what I thought was, was that it like, it took me away from 
progressing my acting career. I thought I was at the time, I thought I had failed becoming an actor Mm -hmm. by giving up 10 years of my life to the Marine Corps. And what I realized was, is that I was not mature enough to be a good actor. And if I would have tried, if I would have gone to second city right out of high school, the person that I know I was would have never made it. He would have failed miserably. He would have thought the world was against him Mm -hmm. and he wouldn't have even believed uh, why he was failing. He would have thought like that, like the universe was against me. I wouldn't even realize that it was my own fault, but I needed to mature. Mm -hmm. I needed to become the person with the world experience that I have now to even be able to (laughs) just make it as far as I have currently. I don't think I'd even be, I, I wouldn't even be able to hold down an agent like I can now. Uh, and, and, you know, and satisfy these clients. Cause I just know the type of person I was, <laughs> how immature I was and how irresponsible I was. And so the Marine Corps really did save me from making a lot of mistakes. And so I think I, I appreciate the discipline that it gave me to actually succeed in acting, even though I, when I first started acting, I was like, wow, I'm like 10 years behind everybody else. Right. Like, that's like what I first thought, like I'm at second city taking these classes and I realize I'm kind of old for the group and it's not like severe, but enough where I'm like, man, I could have been doing this sooner or yeah. man. I like, but then after you figure out your type and your stuff, it's like, it doesn't matter when you start. It matters if you can do the work for your, what people see you as. And, and if you can know what truly type of actor you are, and if you can be honest with yourself, mm-hmm. those were all things I couldn't be when I got out of high school. I wasn't honest with myself and I didn't know enough to uh, know my strengths and know my weaknesses. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, acting is obviously so much fun and improv is like literally we're playing pretend, but there is so much professionalism that goes into it if you want to do it for real, for a living. And um, yeah, not every like starry-eyed, doe-eyed, like hopeful right out of high school or college is going to be able to do that. Um, well, I think I think you can. Well, I think okay, well, okay. A, <laughs> I think there's a. I think otherwise I wouldn't have cast you in, in such shows. But there's <laughs> like know. a there's an element of like those. But yeah, let's even bring it to that. Like when I do those castings, when I mm-hmm. when we cast like a coach ensemble, I see the version of me that's like a 19 year old. Oh. And I'm like, oh, he just needs some time. <laughs> he yeah. just needs some life experience to teach him that like, that's not, don't go up there and try to be funny. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, right. Like just pull from real life experience instead of trying to get your bits in. Like just all that. Uh, and I see it and I, it hurts me a little bit, but then, uh, yeah, it's also a reminder of like how far I've come in a fun way. Of course. So this like disciplined version of yourself, this discipline, this like rigidity of the military, like followed you out of it and into your like professional acting world. Yeah, definitely. Like I think, um, yeah, how I don't know if you relate to this, but before the Marines, which I had to sign a long contract for, mm-hmm. I'd never held a job more than three years. Uh, yeah. And I started working when I was uh, 12, like a paper route. Like I started very young. Like I'd, I'd always had a job and I'd always quit a job. And the longest I could last in any job was three years. And most mm-hmm. when I was younger, that was like just one summer. And then I'd choose a new job the next summer. But even after that, um, after high school and stuff like that, I just couldn't, um, I just wasn't disciplined enough to uh, stick with anything. And I guess that's something else I fail at as a human is that I love trying and getting started on things. And I 
am really bad at becoming an expert at anything because I just like so too many things. Mm-hmm. And so uh, something that I, I know that about myself. And so as I've gotten older, I've learned that like, I need to focus on the things that actually make me happy as opposed to the things that like will make me happy for a season. Yeah. So, so that's changed uh, with me over the years, but yeah, like I used to be really great at the guitar and I haven't played the guitar in like 10 years and like little things that just like, I give up, I give it, I give it up because uh, I get interested in something else. And then I end up realizing, Oh, I've never become an expert at anything. I've just become like, you know, a Jack of all trades. God, this is so relevant to another episode I just recorded. I wish we were all on a three-way call together right now. <laughs> um, you know, and I and I I was saying in, in that episode, I struggle with the same thing. I, I love trying, you know, a bunch of different things. Um, and I, I was one of those like uh, kids like in elementary school where I was told I was like gifted and like really smart and I was like naturally good at things. And then like as high school and college hit, I was just like, you know, like a fine student. I wasn't better than everybody else. And <laughs> yeah. so I struggle with like not being good at things immediately. Mm, um, okay. What I've told myself, which hopefully this like relates to you as well, is like, we're not giving up on these things just because we're not experts at them. There is literally not enough time in the day yeah. to do all the things we want to do. So what we're doing is prioritizing. Yep. And that Perfect. is cool, you know, and that's an adult thing to do is prioritize. So sure. I think that's how that's how I have to look at it to make myself not have like a freaking meltdown every time I think about all the things I've started and not and not like continue doing or finished. Absolutely. Yeah. It's not, um, it's a little different than what people think about, like where they're like, Oh, they have to work on something till it's perfect. It's like, no, it's just, I like too many things. Those are two very different (laughs) issues because there's also the issue of people that start things and never finish them. Mm -hmm. Um, that's not me. I'm okay with putting out crap, uh, just to finish it. And I will. and, And that's how I started making films. Like my very first film was with my very first improv troupe in Chicago, um, we did, we had, we had improvised a scene about a merman who the, the, the question mark of the scene was like, how does he have sex? You know, like, how does he do it? <laughs> and, uh, and it was just a very funny improv scene to us. And we were like, well, if this was a movie, uh, when he comes, it would just be like a cloud of baby powder. Right. Because like, <laughs> it's like fish, like eggs in the water or whatever. Yeah. We're like, well, wait, that would be a really funny, like little mini movie. So then, uh, we sat down and actually wrote it out and and filmed it and that was the first film that i ever submitted to a film festival thank god it got into the uh chicago international shorts film festival and that like gave me so much like a confidence boost but yeah it was like just putting out there something i'm all i've always been good at that like i will put out my ideas i'm not embarrassed by the weirdness and stupidness of my ideas um it's more just exactly what you said, which is I've gotten mature enough to know that I need to prioritize the stuff that's actually going to like move me forward in my goals. Yeah. I love that about you. I love that. I mean, it is, you know, even in improv, it's, it's hard to meet people who are like, you can tell that are genuinely not embarrassed of, of the things like the, the stuff they put out there like, when you don't get to think about it first, you know? Yeah. And yeah. I see that in you, like, seriously, like it's, it's really cool. It's very inspiring because it's like, even after X amount of years of training and improv, you will still sometimes stand on a sideline and like create a whole scene in your head before you go out on stage. And that's absolutely not what you're supposed to do. <laughs> sure. Yeah. You know, you have to trust your instincts and that's really, really scary. And um, I, I love that about you. <laughs> You're too sweet. I think, I think you, you nailed it on the head though, that like, that is something that like, is, 
innately, uh, and not really a, not really a taught thing as much as like, if you can, if you can do that, you, you can na- have some natural tendencies towards improv, right. Is if yeah. you can just like, let yourself not be embarrassed, um, by your ridiculous ideas. Yeah, that's correct. It's, it's, and it's, it's a, it's a hard, it's a hard goal to get to. It's a hard goal to reach, but it's something that I feel like, you know, we're all, we're all always working towards it. And I don't know if anyone ever gets there fully. Maybe they do. Maybe you do. I don't know if I ever will, but I I feel like if it's, if we're talking about improv, uh, man, I feel like I've forgotten how to improvise in this last year and a half or whatever this has been. Like, I just feel (laughs) like I need, I need to go do it to see if I know what's happening. I know. I tried to do Zoom improv the other day, which I told myself I wasn't going to do because it makes me sad. It just, yeah. it's, it's not the same. And I did it. And we like finished. We were like, this was so bad. And it was. <laughs> it was so bad. And well, I was like, you know what? I'm just, I'm just going to wait it out until we can get on stage again. <laughs> it's uh, improv is one of those things where like, you know, there's so many things that need to fall into place to just kind of find that magic. I mean, even when I felt like I was getting really good at it every now and then someone would ask me if I'd like to do like a two person show or something with them. And I'd always say yes. Cause I'm like, yeah, I need to expand my, but then you'd still have like a terrible show yeah. when you think you're like at your prime and you're like, Oh, okay. Uh, I still need to learn a lot about when I'm working with someone I don't know at all or whatever, like, just like, uh, yeah. So there's still so many things to be learned. I've found that, uh, it is harder for me to audition from home because obviously I'm still auditioning through like my agent and things like that. And before the pandemic, I was like, my audition opportunities were getting like bigger and bigger. And I felt like I was, my shoes were, I was filling those shoes better and better. So like, I'd be in a room where like, Oh, the producer and the directors are in the room and I'd feel more comfortable in a room where I know that like, Oh, this is the callback and they're only bringing three people back and it's a national campaign. And like the pressure should be high, but I was ready in those situations. And then like these at home auditions have like, there's so much harder for me to have the people on the screen, which seems weird because you think you would think that would be better. Yeah. But I'm a stage actor, Eddie. Like I am, I don't know if you are too, but like I thrive off of the audience. Yes. And so there's something that doesn't work for me with the digital, like I I'm working on it. I'm trying, I'm getting better at it. But I, when I go to auditions, I pretend that's the stage. I pretend I'm pulling that curtain back and that gives me the energy that I need to like Mm -hmm. perform and I'm working on it for at home auditions. But yeah, that's something that I am (laughs) failing at, at home auditions. It's well, it's, there's a, like, there's such a difference between like, it's so easy to, to assess the energy of an audience yeah, like live audience than it is to scan a screen of directors to try to maybe get a glimpse of their facial expressions through a blurry computer camera. Oh yeah. And these auditions, there's like, there might be like four people in the room, but I'm only seeing the one person. So I'm not reading yeah. the, I can't read the room anymore. Yeah. Right. Like I can't like a play to like the little preferences that I feel like that person's liking. Or if like, mm-hmm. if I hear one little person laugh, I'm going to, I'm going to go crazy on like getting them to laugh again or whatever. Like I'm yeah. So I hate digital auditions. That's that's my story. That's the story of Jonah. <laughs> well, <clears throat> I I love your story. I think it's so cool. I don't know anyone else that has, you know, even Otis, my cat's attacking me. <laughs> um, it's close to like a similar story of yours. And I just want to thank you for sharing, uh, sharing all these bits and pieces about your life with me today. Oh, thank you. Well, I, I really like, uh, 
getting to do anything with you. So let's continue to make TikToks and be goofballs. Let's absolutely do that. And <laughs> God help me get on a stage together one day soon. <laughs> yes. Yay. Well, thank you so much. Um, everyone follow Jonah on TikTok. Is it is it no duh Jonah on TikTok? Yeah, you got it. I remember it. I've I've been on there. <laughs> I've been on that page before. Follow Jonah on TikTok at no duh Jonah. Um, you might see me on there maybe once. That's it actually. Um, <laughs> and uh, I will see everyone next time. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening to Flirting with Failure. I am very lucky to have you. And I'm especially lucky to have all of my Flirting with Failure crushes. Clyde Moser, Gabrielle Sutton, Lindsay Dillon, Jacqueline Orell, Tim and Kate Lehane, and Jason Ryder. If you're looking for more ways to support the pod besides listening, consider subscribing to our Patreon at patreon.com slash flirtingwithfailurepod. For as little as $5 a month, your Patreon subscription gets you bonus content, behind-the-scenes extras, early access to new interviews, first dibs and discounts on merch, and more. And I need to say that none of this would be possible without the help of Gabby Gottlieb with editing and Jason Ryder with production. A huge thank you to the both of you. That's it for this time. Until next time, stay flirty.